What's up, everybody? Welcome to the... Oh, oh go check my notes. Uh, yeah, it's Tuesday. Maybe it's just the Brady Quinn football show! Yay! Featuring Will Brinton. <laughs> I'm Will Brinton. That's Brady Quinn. The most exciting weekly episode of this is actually the Pick 6 podcast, but the Brady Quinn football show edition comes out every Tuesday. We're recording this during the Titans and Texans game that is likely going to end up with the Texans winning. They're up 34-17, and the Titans are punting. Good for you, Mike Vrabel, punting down 17 with your season on the line. Uh, whatever you want to do, pal. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's... Uh, this is the exact opposite of how he's been this year. He's been, like, ultra-aggressive and trying to, like, win games for his team. Now he's, he's starting to see the light. Yeah, it's Maybe he's a little more conservative. Well, it's interesting. They went, so, I mean, uh, let's, by the way, Marcus Mariota, 17 of 17 for 239 yards and two touchdowns, and his team is losing by 17 points. That's hard to do. Uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the, uh, Cleveland Browns, and we'll talk about the Packers situation, uh, plenty of other stuff, but let's, uh, let's quickly just mention this game, and if for some reason the Titans come back, we'll dive back into it further. They're not going to, spoiler alert, but the fourth and one, down by the goal line, Mike Vrabel calls, decides to go for it. He calls timeout. He told him to rush up and go. They kind of try to get him off sides. Uh, then he decides to go for it, and Matt LaFleur calls a fullback, or I guess a yeah, fullback dive, but Luke yeah. Stocker is the tight end there, and it's his first career carry, and he gets absolutely stuffed. I don't understand, Brady, why teams, and Mike, Mike McCarthy did this uh, for, for the Packers on Sunday night too, why teams continually run these craptastic plays on fourth down? <laughs> oh man, uh, I wish I could answer that question. Um, unfortunately, it, it's tough because uh, you get to certain situations and you, you all of a sudden put in like, okay, what, what's theoretically or, or logically a, a good fourth down and one call? Well, of course, a quick hitter to a fullback, right? It, it kind of has the element of surprise. You should get an initial surge as an offensive line off the football because your guy should react before the defense can on the snap. You should be anticipating it. And then you should be able to kind of create a wedge where you can go forward for at least a yard, right? So that's like the design of a fullback dive or a fullback run play typically. Uh, the, the issue is, is, as you mentioned, you had a player who's running the football for the first time in his career. Uh, so I don't know if that was more, again, the element of surprise, like, oh, they don't, definitely don't think we're going to give it to this guy, uh, or if that was just kind of where they're at and what they felt like they wanted to do. But either way, I always, I always look at those scenarios when you have a quarterback like Marcus Mariota, who, granted, has been through his injury issues. The only way to even up the box count is to have a design quarterback run. Mm-hmm. So go ahead give him the football, let the running back beat the lead blocker. You should have a favorable box count. And then once he gets past the first down, just tell him to slide, man, if you don't want him to take a hit. So uh, they, they typically outthink themselves in these scenarios. I have no idea why, believe me. If, if if some of these coaches knew, I'm sure they wouldn't make the calls they make and some of these guys won't even get fired. Hey, by, the, by the way, when you do a fullback dive like that, you're actually – reducing the numbers from your perspective on the offensive side of the ball. You're playing 10 on 11 because Derrick Henry's back there and he's not even involved in the play, right? I mean, like, the, I don't know. To me, it makes so much more and, sense. And, and by the way, yeah. he wouldn't be a good, like, short yardage back, would he? Yeah, right, I mean, he's, right, right. He's not right. like 200,000 pounds. There's two, there's two plays that I would run there instead. And, like, I'm not – I mean, look, Matt LaFleur has done this a lot longer than I have. Uh, yeah, not that much longer. Yeah, I mean, that, this is really his first year calling plays okay, officially. We, okay, he's a little more experienced coaching football than me. Right, but, right. 
Yeah, that's that's true. But I would um I would either line up in a jumbo package and run a bootleg with Marcus Mariota. Ooh. Uh, with an option like to flare out with the tight end for a reception if you need to in case you know the, oh, okay. the, the Texans okay, cover like well. Yeah. Or I would line up Derrick Henry under center and let him take the snap for 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 a, for a QB sneak with the halfback because you're just not going to tackle him. Why can't you just have Marcus Mariota do the quarterback sneak? I, like, I know, what, what's what's wrong with the old conventional like hey just wedge this thing down quarterback sneak? Are quarterbacks athletic enough to find a seam in the defense and get a first down? How, how about that? Is that, that too difficult to ask for? No, it's not. And we talked okay. about this a few weeks ago. Every time you do that, they give you the benefit of the doubt. Like when you dive forward, they're like, well, you know, we're using, uh, four, eight or like, you know, six geriatric eyeballs to figure out where this went. Uh, that's <laughs> close enough. You got a first down. And, and so it just makes no sense to do what they do. Uh, I will say one more point on this game. Uh, and we can talk about the AFC playoff picture as it relates to Texans and Titans. I, I really think that the Titans and the Texans do, are doing a poor job uh, of, of like allowing Deshaun Watson and Marcus Mariota to get hit. I mean, these are two quarterbacks who have been hurt a lot. And it just seems like Deshaun Watson in particular was taking a bunch of unnecessary shots in a game where the Texans, you know, after Lamar Miller ripped off a 97-yard touchdown run on the the first play after that that, court, that failed sneak, uh, it just seems like they're letting Deshaun Watson take too many hits. Am I crazy? Uh, some of that he invites, though. Mm. I mean, in some of these plays, uh, he's – He's either taking off when he shouldn't be, whether it's a pass or maybe, a, for example, the, the one long run he had to set up their, their last touchdown. Um, it was a bootleg that he cut back. I mean, that, that's not designed to do that. Granted, he really didn't get hit that bad until later on down the field, but he subjects himself to a lot of unnecessary hits. Um, he's a big guy. He can take it. But eventually, as we saw last year, uh, you get hurt. And the more mobile you are, the more you take off, the more you afford yourself the chance for that to happen. So that's the concerning thing, I think, for me uh, moving forward with him is as remarkable as he has been, as good as he looks, he does unfortunately give himself you know, too many opportunities, too many free shots for the defense. And, and it doesn't matter. Like Michael Vick's been the most dynamic quarterback we've ever seen in this game, and you know he got hurt often. Sure. He, he pulled some different things. He had some issues. So if that's going to happen to him, it's, it's eventually going to happen to Deshaun Watson. Football is dangerous. Um, it is dangerous. Turns out. Uh, actually, I have one more question about this. What happened? What, what happened to the Titans' offensive line? Because that really, I thought it was going to be a strength of theirs again this year after it kind of fell off last year, and they just uh, they have given up um, uh, uh, five sacks. There's six sacks against the Texans, and that's not good for a team. You know. That's the Texans' strength. I get it. They're playing well up front. But if you want to, if you want to try and establish the run with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, you need that offensive line to operate. They just haven't been there this year. No, they haven't. I mean, they were kind of early on, but I think as uh, as the season's gone on, they've been a little bit banged up. Look, tonight they're going up against one of the better pass rushing teams. Sure. When you have Clowney and Wad Merciless and then DJ Reed or some of the other pieces, like those guys are going to present some issues. So I, I don't know that I'm walking away saying I'm, I'm that disappointed. Um, by the protection and how it's been. I think this is a unique challenge and one of the more tougher challenges as far as the matchup. But, yes, this year it's been a little bit disappointing. And I also think it's, it's maybe played a factor in them going to Deion Lewis where not so much that they're trying to get away from the run game, but they needed someone who could see the backside cut who was maybe a little bit shiftier because when you get penetration, you get guys who are meeting the running backs at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield you got an issue, right? Those yeah. guys can't even get started that yet. So I, I think they maybe feel like Deion Lewis is a better back uh, to feature if that's the issue that you're having up front. 
instead of Derrick Henry, where if he stops his feet or if he gets contact in the backfield, he's a big guy. He can run through some stuff, but it's hard once he gets stopped to get him started again. And I think maybe they feel like there's a better chance of Deion Lewis either making someone miss or you know being a mismatch for teams uh, trying to match up with him in the passing game. Uh, let's talk about the AFC uh, playoff picture. With the Steelers' loss, and this is as it relates to the Texans too, who will now move uh, to eight and three, they will uh, they will have the third seed. Uh, the Patriots have a tiebreaker there by virtue of a head-to-head victory over them, but the Texans are right there, sort of knocking on the door with it to try and get a bye, which would be something else. Um, the Steelers' loss to the Broncos is a really bad one because it dropped them from number two to number four overall in terms of the seeding. They do have a head-to-head game coming up against the Patriots, um, but is it? Do you think this t- Texans team is a? legitimate three seed in the AFC. They, they, they were 0-3, and now they've ripped off this long win streak. We thought they were fraudulent, but they keep they just keep winning. It's, are the Texans a legitimate like contender to get the bye in the AFC? Yes. Yes. I mean, look, they are a complete football team when you look at the way they've played over the course of this, what will be what an eight-game winning streak. Um, their defense can rush. Their defense can cover. Uh, their offense can put up points, and, and they make it extremely hard to prepare for them, in part because of their personnel. I think anytime you've got DeAndre Hopkins, who's arguably top three wide receiver in the league, and then you've got a guy like Demarius Thomas, and you've got Kiki QT in the slot, you've got a lot of different weapons. And they, even their um, draft pick, Jordan Thomas, the behemoth of a tight end that he is. He looks uh, like a it, lineman. Like he, when you uh, see he, him, he looks like a lineman. As, as Mike Mayock would say, he's most uh, famous for saying he's got a bubble butt. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he typically brings that out in the combine. Uh, that Jordan Thomas is the definition of, of having a bubble bubble butt. Um, he's a big boy, but either way, he, he's still effective to um, blocking and also catching the football. Um, but you look, they just they present so many issues um, for starters, the, the personnel matchups, and then beyond that, when Deshaun Watson buys time or takes off, uh, everyone just kind of holds their breath because there's a chance they may you know run in the end zone. There's a chance he's going to heave it downfield. Um, they're a really, really tough team to prepare for. And I just I kind of look down the line and look at the future for this team, and I think they've got a really good chance based on their remaining schedule. They've got the Browns, Colts, Jets, Eagles, Jaguars. Uh, last time I checked, only one of those teams has a winning record, and it's the divisional opponent, Colts, that they host at home. Uh, this This team legitimately could win, I don't know, four of their last five, relatively easily. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Eagles are a tough matchup for them. The Browns aren't a pushover anymore. I think they've gotten better. Uh, but they've got a number of those games at home. I mean, they got back-to-back weeks, Jets, Philly, and, and excuse me, playing Philly after that at home or on the road. But then after that, they come back to play the Jaguars at home. And they'll be starting Cody Kessler. Uh, since that's, since that's the move that they made today as their starting quarterback. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing, too, about this win on Monday night for the Texans is, as Deshaun Watson takes another unnecessary shot, um, that they now have a two-game lead. They maintain a two-game lead over the Colts, who snuck out a victory over the Dolphins, which means even if they lose to the Colts in, in Week 14, they still have that one-game buffer. Um, and, of course, you know there would be other tiebreakers that came into play outside of the head-to-head stuff because the Texans beat them way back in Week 4. How I mean, that Frank Wright... The uh, fourth down overtime call is is looming fairly large now. We didn't think it would uh, be be quite as important as it is, but it certainly does loom. Um, do you think that the Colts are a viable challenger in that AFC South? 
Yeah, they're a viable challenger. Um, I think they've got the protection up front to uh, nullify the rush of the Houston Texans. I think they've uh, got a quarterback who, you know, regardless of what you say about Deshaun Watson, he's a electric. I still think Andrew Luck's the best quarterback in that division. Yeah. Um, I just think when you look at the, the numbers that he's putting up, the way he plays, like he's an underestimated athlete. Although I wouldn't, I, I don't think it's wise to throw to him on a fourth and one. That's just me, though. <laughs> That's just me. Like, like, I don't think it'd be a smart thing to do on fourth and one to put him out as a wide receiver, have your backup quarterback come in, and then you do like a little zone read, and instead you decide to keep it to him and basically run an RPO and then throw him the football up high, you know, where, where you'd expose his ribs. Like, that to me might be one of the dumbest things ever to do, especially if, you know, let's just say it's like Andrew Luck, a guy who's missed an entire year last year, right? Like, no, no team would do that. Like, like, no team would actually call that play. Would they, Will? Surely they wouldn't do it in back-to-back weeks, would they, Brady? Surely they would. You know they did it last week, too, right? This is the second week in a row they've thrown to Andrew Luck. Like, I, and if the last week he was diving into the end zone. This week he got blasted by a DB. Yeah, I, I, different story this week. Uh, last week it was at least an end zone shot, like there was something on the line. This week it was like a four-yard completion where they basically tried to run him into Rashad Jones. They were up thirty. Uh, with his they were, exposed. Last week they were up thirty-eight ten on the Titans. What? I mean, like, either way, it's stupid. Stop throwing to Andrew Luck. I mean, like you, like Frank is Frank Wright. Do you think we should check Frank Wright into rehab for Philly specials? Like, is uh, he... That or maybe it's Jim Irsay <laughs> calling down. Maybe he's <laughs> wow. he's calling down and saying, "Hey, hey, Frank, how much are we paying that Andrew Luck? Uh, Twenty-five million a year." Sir, uh, yeah, yeah. Why don't we let's throw some passes too? Very we need good. to make this deal a little bit more economical. This guy named Puck Chagano snuck over with a mustache on, and he's like, hey, "I'm going to injure Andrew Luck if it's the last thing I do." Um, that's a Chuck Pagano joke. You get hurt. You see, what I did that. Um, it's, his, it's his twin, Puck Chagano. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, wait. This, by, by the way, I don't know. You probably didn't. You didn't hear Monday's show because it's Monday night. Um, but uh, did you did you hear the Corderell Patterson quote that he gave? About grabbing the dude's uh, junk. Wait, did I miss something? Because okay, so here's what I saw. Uh, he was he was lying on the ground. There was a defender on his knees in front of him, and it looked like uh, it, it looked like I don't know. Maybe he had a, a handful of I don't know peanuts. Let's just say peanuts in his hand <laughs> that he was squeezing very very tightly that he didn't want them to let them fall out of his hand. That's kind of what it looked like to me. Was there something else going on? Did I miss something? No, no, no. You need that. But then he, they, they, somebody asked him about it after the game, and I read the quote on the podcast yesterday, and 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 uh, and everybody else on the podcast froze because they were wondering whether I could actually say it. He said, uh, he said he was trying to get the guy off of him. I'm a grown man. I don't need no one's ass, dick, and balls in my face. Is this is this actual? That quote. is uh, that's very true. And uh, and I'll say this as I've told many people uh, over and over again. People love football. You know, people yeah. are big football fans. You know what they don't want to hear about though is when that ball is fumbled and there's a scrum for the football. Okay. Yeah. Unspeakable things, Will. What's the unspeakable things? I I don't even want to get into it. Wow. Because guys will do whatever it takes to get that football out oh, and so that they can get a fumble recovery and so they can get paid. And, and it's just it, it's food on the table, man. And I, I, that's the only thing I'll say. So it is a very, very scary, vulnerable place to be in when you're an offensive player trying to hold on the football at the bottom of a scrum. Oh, man, that is just vile. Um, what, uh, have you, have, what's the worst thing you've ever done to try to get a football back? Um, 
gosh, worst thing I've ever done. I did get fined for a low hit on Terrell Suggs after wow. uh, I threw an inside slant route. I think it was a Mike Furry. He's now the wide receivers coach in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Bounced right off between the eight and the seven up in the air. Uh, Suggs didn't pick it off. It was actually someone else on the Baltimore Ravens defense. Uh-huh. And so my first inclination, which is pretty ignorant, is, all right, I'm going to track down the football and try to get a stop here. And so as I'm running around my right tackle, uh, big John Sinclair at the time, had mm. played some time with the Chicago Bears, he's as big as a house. You can't see past that guy. He, it's really hard to find a throwing lane around him. I'm running around, and I'm kind of just diving kind of low to where I think this guy, whoever picked it off, I can't quite remember, I, where I think he's going to be. And instead of hitting the ball carrier, I literally hit directly into Terrell Suggs' knee. It looked like the dirtiest play in the history of football. And I swear to you to this day, I never saw him. I felt awful about it the second I made contact because I was kind of surprised he was right there too. Um, but inadvertently, it ended up actually tackling the, uh, the guy who intercepted the football. So uh, unfortunately, it knocked Terrell Suggs out for a long time. I think it hurt his MCL. Felt terrible about it. Got fined for it. Uh, but that was not my intent. That was probably the, the worst thing I did uh, trying to get back a football. Oh, wow. All right, so I just Googled Brady Quinn, Terrell Suggs. Do you, yeah. do you have guilt about this? Just like, do you have? No, it looks terrible on film, but I swear to you, like, unless I you believe could see you. my vantage point, you know, you, you wouldn't have felt it. But, it, I, yeah, I felt terrible about it at the time. Like, I kind of rolled over because I heard him immediately go down in pain. I was like, oh, that was not – that was not what I meant to do, and I, like I know it's going to look bad, but it definitely wasn't uh, wasn't what my intentions were. Okay, so the article I found, there's Bleacher Report blasted you for a dirty hit. Uh, I'm yeah. not I'm not going to let them do that. I'm sure this is 2009. Well, I well am... Bleacher Report is amateur, anyways, too, right? Doesn't sure. CBS Sports just pound them every single week and in, in clicks and views and all that stuff? Hell yeah, we do. Um, yeah. I am I am, however, going to have to ask you. Uh, so it says Quinn, who said he received a letter from the league on Wednesday, would not dis- disclose the amount of the fine. I am going to have to ask you what the amount of the fine was now. Uh, it was ten or fifteen thousand. Adam, Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter reported ten thousand back in. Uh, Schefter's been at ESPN since '09. Oh yeah, he's been there forever. Guy, he's been Old there Sheffy. forever. I remember he was. Yeah. At, I remember when he was at NFL Network. Yeah, um, shifty, shifty Schefter. Shifty know? Schefter. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, now I'm just like Googling Brady Quinn, Terrell Suggs. I, Brady, I know that you're a good person at heart and that you would never hurt Terrell Suggs. What did you think about Terrell Suggs touchdown, uh, run on Sunday? Did you see that? It's pretty good. It was very impressive. Look, he's the biggest freak of an athlete, uh, I've ever seen. And wow. I, I, I've been around him a little bit because he used to train out in Arizona. So I saw him from time to time when he was out there. Did you wear a mustache? You're like, incident. oh, okay. I was about to say, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm, uh, Puck Chicano. Nice to see you. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, this is obviously before the incident. I would never dare go back to that gym after this. So. You know what the worst thing was is, and, and here's, here's what I, I, I still to this day am thinking to myself. If I hadn't dove and like trying to think that I was going to hit the guy with the ball carry and tackle him, he would have like literally lit me up. Like I might be dead because I yeah. never saw Terrell Suggs. I would have been almost blindsided basically from him hitting me. Um, so like thinking back on like no one ever took that point of view uh, of like oh yeah I mean may- maybe there's the chance that he would have gotten taken out, but no no one cares about that. Oh my god, about Terrell Suggs. Gary Wishard, who's I believe now uh, no longer with us on this earth, but he. He went in, he went after you, man. This is crazy. He's like, called you like, like, absurd. Uh, he's like, just like, like, let's like, say you're targeting Suggs. Come on, this is crazy. 
Right, because that's your first thing. Like you throw an interception, your immediate thought is, "All right, who's the best player on the field? How can I?" He called you. Out? He called you criminal. Oh my god, this is crazy. But I can... this is also why a lot of players don't have respect for guys who write in the media. You know that. that that's why, right? Of course. Right. right. Well, oh, okay. You mean you mean like like for the no 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 the, the no 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 the Terrell Suggs agent Gary Richard called you criminal. Well, yeah, of course. He's an agent. What do you expect of him? That's say? true. Yeah, our agents are. He's, he's sucking off the teat of his player. <laughs> um, aren't, aren't, aren't most agents? I'm not, I'm not really sure it's the other way around. 100%. So. Uh, now I'm trying, you know, you know, isn't it crazy though? Like, this was the thing that got headlines and, you know, I'm sure we wrote about it on fanhouse.com or something like that back in the day. But like, if you did, if you did that in 2018, there, you would, you would have to appear on first take and defend yourself from all kinds of, you know, just absurd take. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, isn't it insane how far we've gotten in, in 2018? Like, the, like, the, like how this would be treated now versus back then? Well, I'm hoping uh, there never would have been the interception because I actually was under center. So I'm hoping now with as much as we're in shotgun that maybe <laughs> in, in 2009, I believe this was, uh, maybe we'd be in shotguns. So we don't have to worry about it in the first place. And right. it would have been a, a better play. Maybe right. I, I, don't, I don't know. We'll sure. See. Anyway, we've, uh, I, we have successfully, uh, derailed. That's, uh, yeah. that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a check mark. That's a check mark for this podcast. Back to the AFC, uh, playoff fixture. What the hell? I don't even know what the hell we were talking about. Uh, oh, the Ravens. Speaking of the Ravens, they're the sixth seed. Um, do, who do you, we talked about this for the wild card. Do you still like the Chargers? Cause the, I, they're eight and three. They're probably going to get it. But man, leaving Melvin Gordon in to run an end around on a wide receiver or like a running back pitch toss when he's lined up as a wide receiver and he's dealing with a banged up knee and a bad and a bad hammy in the third quarter of a 28-10 blowout like game against the Cardinals seems like a really stupid thing. And now it's going to cost him several weeks of the busted MCL. First off, I'm not sure why everyone had made such a big deal about the call. Like, he's your best runner, and you tried to put him in a position to have a reverse and unique way. It's not his fault Robert Kendichi, like, kind of, I don't know, busted through the line. Like, it wasn't by design. I mean, it's almost like he leg-whipped him, which is now illegal. Um, I, I didn't have any problem with the play call. Uh, I had more of an issue with the, the Colts play call. Um, this one I, I really didn't see anything wrong with. Uh, but to answer your bigger question, yes, I think there's no doubt in my mind the Chargers are in lock to be a playoff team. Um, I think it's in part when you look at their schedule, but it's in part looking at their pieces, their team, and, and Phillip Rivers, who needs to be talked about as the MV, as an MVP candidate. I'm not going to say he's going to win it, but when you go, what, 28 for 29, and if you're having a statistical year like he's having, which is largely carrying this team, I, I think you have to include them in the conversation. The difficulty for them moving forward is – uh, when you look at their schedule, like Bengals, probably a more favorable game now considering Andy Dalton's going to be out for the season. The Chiefs, that's in Kansas City. That's a tough one. The Ravens, at that point, I think maybe you've got a book on Lamar Jackson, so you're looking at them a little bit more favorably. And then you've got to go to Denver to finish. Like, kind of some tough games in there, although you don't know like where Denver's at at the end of the year. And, and obviously this week they go, to, they go to Pittsburgh, which is going to be huge in regards to the ramifications of uh, the, the overall playoff picture in the AFC. But uh, I, I think they've got all the pieces, in my opinion, to be able to uh, win and potentially maybe make some noise in the playoffs. It just comes down to like what this team plays like once they get there. Like remember the Rams last year were pretty good, mm-hmm. and they got to the playoffs and they stunk in the wild card round. Um, that's kind of my concern for the, the the Chargers. Like, are they that good where they can make that happen? And the last thing I'll just say is I don't I don't think it matters if they have home field advantage or not because they really don't have an advantage playing at home. 
And I think the only thing that it provides them is the opportunity to not have to travel across the country, potentially, depending on where the game's at, and travel through time zone. So better rest, recovery, and, and dealing with all that. Well, it's, that's a great point. I'm glad you made that point because that's sort of where I was headed with the Steelers before I got us way off track on whatever, uh, and I called you a criminal and all that. Um, the, uh, I didn't actually call you a criminal, but, um, kind of did. I sort of did, but I was just quoting yeah. something. Uh, I don't know how we, yeah, did. but you like took it over as your own. You were like, oh, he, you're a criminal. Oh, he called you a criminal. Like you said it first. In first person. So yeah, you kind of called me a criminal. Well, now I'm like wondering what I thought about the play back, like when I didn't know you. Like I wonder if I was like, Brady Quinn is a criminal. Um, I don't think I would have, cause I mean, you know, like, like now I'd be, if like, if it happened, I'd be like, no, 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 Brady didn't mean to do that. I'd be, I'd be writing articles saying like, hey, hey, Terrell Suggs, back off, pal. Gary Richard, step down. Brady Quinn's a good person. He didn't mean to do that. I'd have your back. And you'd be like, man, the media is great. And you know what the only person in the media who would have liked the play probably is is maybe Pete Prisco. Just because he, he's all he, he always loves he always loves when like people are just trying to go for it and they're cutthroat and all that. And then I'd have to be trying to explain myself to Pete, like, no, that wasn't my intent. He'd be like, Yeah, it was though. He's yeah, like, it was. Yeah, like, and he'd be all fired up about it. Be, that's that's how he is. He's a little pit bull. He'd be like, Oh Brady, come on, we're not I'm not I'm not I'm not on the record here. Just tell me. You meant yeah, to break his yeah. leg, didn't you? You wanted to break his yeah. leg. Uh yeah, Pete, if you ask Pete about the stuff he's done uh back when he was a little tyke in the, in his high school uh football days, he'll tell you that when he got in the the, the scrum he did. Oh, he was like, about grabbing a handful of peanuts. He's do that all the time. He used to give some proctology exams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete's, yeah. Pete's just going straight for butts. He, like he, he's like, not... there's, there's, there's no one who is checking for colon cancer more, more so than Pete Briscoe in high school. Let me tell you. Pete's just doing his job, trying to help out. Yeah, yeah. Um, saving the world, man. So again, the uh, the Steelers. Let's try this for a third time. This is the Steelers. But I think the problem is for Pittsburgh now. You don't, the, the one spot I don't think you want to be in if you're, if you're the Steelers, Texans, or Patriots is the number four seed because you're probably going to get the Chargers at home in a wild card game. And that's a really dangerous spot to be in. Don't you agree that you would rather play the Ravens, uh, whether it's Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson or, or the Colts or the Titans are probably now dead at five and six or anybody else, Denver, whoever it is, uh, versus playing the Chargers who are likely to be the team that faces the four seed? Yeah, I would say that's probably accurate. I mean, as it stands right now, uh, I, I think you're, I'm not sure how much of that is really in your control though. And, and I can just tell you from, I mean, look, I was on one team that was able to make it in the playoffs. Um, we made it via tiebreaker to win the division that we, we went in for the miraculous, uh, Tim Tebow pass to Demarius Thomas <laughs> versus Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the one thing I'll say is, you know, home field advantage is huge if you can get it. Uh, if you have a home field advantage, the Chargers don't. So I think again, that's why it's not overly significant. Um, so that's all where it starts. But if, if if you're talking about like who you can play, it's tough to be able to figure it out how you can manipulate things to end up the right seed. Uh, but I think you'd rather play the Ravens than the Chargers, at least based on their personnel and based on all, how all things are clicking right now. That, that could change in five weeks, especially as we get to this portion of the season, Will, I always felt like you were hanging on to keep players healthy on your team at this part of the year. 
What do you think about what the Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson? I was kind of impressed with Marty Morningwig's uh, game plan against the Raiders because it didn't feature uh, quite as much running from Lamar Jackson. Just in, you know, from the perspective of they were willing to keep him in the pocket, let him try and throw. He wasn't entirely accurate, but you could see it. I mean, like he's got the he's got the talent to be a to be a pocket passer, I believe, and he can certainly run the ball. He's obviously dangerous. He scores a touchdown on a on a bootleg. I, I kind of like, would you play Joe Flacco when he's healthy, or would you keep rolling with Lamar Jackson? Well, the, the tough thing is, if you look at the past two games, I think they're averaging a higher point total. They're averaging more yards. Now, um, it could be just a product of who they played. And then, look, they played at home. They played the Bengals. They played the Raiders. Um, two teams who are not, not necessarily that good. Uh, I, I don't even know if you're going to you know, look at him this week if he's to start against Atlanta and still be the guy or even the Chiefs the following week, and, and sit there and make a, a great case based on those defenses. Like, neither are very good. In fact, if you just look at the rest of their schedule, mm-hmm. they really only play, I would say the Chargers are probably the best defense they play, and they've, I have to go to L.A. to take them on. Oh, it's by, no, the no, Browns. no, no, the Chargers are by far the best team they play, right? Or are they close well, to the best, Browns? Well, best team, but I'm saying as far as defense that, like, Lamar Jackson's going to face, like, Chargers, then Browns, probably. Yeah. Uh, the rest is slate, and he doesn't have to worry about that for another four weeks. So, uh, he can build up some momentum, I think. I think as you, when you're talking about Marty Morningwig, look, they're trying to get him to do some of the things that I think they, they want him to do and he's going to have to do because he's not going to be able to survive running around as much, right? right? I mean, Deshaun Watson's already been through one ACL tear, and eventually, you know, if he continues to keep taking these hits and going through more, it's going to be a shoulder, it could be ribs, it could be a concussion. It's just this is the NFL. This is grown men playing. This is big boy ball, and you can't take those many hits over a 16-game season over a period of time. So um, they're trying to get him to feel more comfortable in the pocket. I, I think it's just going to be difficult to do because right now as a rookie, I can promise you this, so many things are moving so fast for him. And, and even though he does have the potential and it does have the talent to be able to be a pocket passer, it just it looks to me like it's going to be more of a work in progress. Um, so maybe we'll see some of that progress over the next couple of weeks. Uh, new challenge for him, though, having to go on the road in Atlanta, tough place to play. We'll see if they can they can make that come true. But bottom line is, when things break down, he's going to rely on what his strength is. That's going to be taking off and running with the football. Do you all right? If you get to, let's say they win the next two of the next three, because I think they can beat the Falcons on the road. Falcons are dead men walking. I think they'll lose to the Chiefs, but can score points. And I think they'll beat the Buccaneers at home. If you win two of the next three. You're probably getting in the playoffs if you win one of your last games. You're at nine and seven. Um, is he? If you limp into the playoffs at nine and seven, is he still your starting quarterback in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think he is at that point. Look, bottom line is it, the way things are going right now, he's probably going to be your starting quarterback in the future. Like, if I'm Joe Flacco, Dude, Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco's done in Baltimore. I mean, his contract, he's done. I mean, it, they are going to Lamar Jackson next year. End of story, I believe. Right, and and you know he's still under contract technically, uh, but it would be somewhat more favorable, I think, if they could trade him, get some compensation for it, uh, work something out that way. But the the bottom line is for Joe Flacco in, in regards to the Baltimore Ravens that discussion this year is ultimately you know does he need surgery? If he does, he might as well just go get it. Mm. You know, like there's no point in him kind of hanging around to to give it one last go at the Baltimore Ravens. Like they've drafted this guy, he's the future. They look to be doing okay right now, and it's probably honestly better for both parties just to kind of move on sooner than later. I mean, this, this team is in a transition in offense um, with, Lamar, with, with Lamar Jackson, and 
you know, with Joe Flacco, it's like he just should be focusing on trying to get back healthy and for whatever team that is in the future because I still think he's got a lot of good football left in him. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, okay, over to the NFC. Unless there's something else. Is there another? No, I, mean, I guess Indiana. I mean, we're down. We're basically. The Browns, dude. Oh, the, the Browns. Browns. They're still in the playoff hunt. What's wrong with me? God, I've been talking about the Browns nonstop for 48 hours, and I finally get former Browns quarterback Brady Quinn on, and I don't talk about the Browns. I'm, I'm terrible at this job. You um, did. We talked about the hit I had on Terrell Suggs. That, uh, you yeah. called me a criminal. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah, that was the extent. <laughs> that's going to be the, I would I might, I wish, I wish that I could get away with it. I probably can't, but I could write tomorrow for like the podcast post. I could write, quote, criminal Brady Quinn colon, I didn't mean to take out Terrell Suggs in 09 or something like that. I won't, I won't really do that. Um, the Browns. Do you, where do you fall on this Baker Mayfield thing? shrugging off Hugh Jackson like was was Baker Mayfield too petty at midfield was it just the right amount of petty uh was he was he not petty enough I mean Demarius Randall's throwing the ball to Hugh Jackson Baker won't you gave him the hello Hugh how are you I hope things are well handshake but Hugh came in for the hug uh it's clear that he called him fake on an Instagram post today where do you stand on all this because I personally am hashtag team Baker I'm with you, too, and I've actually done a number of interviews today about this subject, and I'm actually shocked by how many people are, yeah. you know, oh, that's petty, you know, what would you do? You lose your job. It's not like he chose to leave. He got fired, and I'm like, well, he was a bad enough coach where he essentially kind of chose to leave, right? I mean, right. <laughs> when you're that bad, eventually, I think you know you're going to get canned. Um, but, but in all seriousness, I mean, look, here's my issue with it. When you're a player, you look at your coaches, whether or not people want to identify them as this, they're leaders. Sure. They're leaders of men. And so when you're up there asking them to play for you, talking to them about what you're trying to accomplish as a team, as a goal, and, and look, you know, this is a guy who's probably talking to Baker Mayfield about what he needs to improve upon as uh, a young player, a young man, all that stuff, right? When this guy's preaching all that stuff to you, and then two weeks later is across the field from you in your opponent's garb with a headset on trying to beat you. Mm. There's going to be two of these opportunities the rest of the year. You've got to be kidding me. Like, the optics of it look bad. It's, it's incredibly unloyal. It, it seems like it's disingenuous. Like, anything you can think of about it, it would just strike me as wrong. Like, I can only look at it from this standpoint where if I was in Hugh Jackson's shoes, and I was a mentor or a leader to all these men, I would not want to be standing on the sideline, you know, sitting there going up against them this season. It's not like he's hurting for money. Right. He's obviously still getting paid from the Browns. And so for all the people who are out there like, well, they fired a man and he didn't have a non-compete so he could do whatever he wants, they go up in the booth. Like, get, get, out of, get off the sideline. Get off the field so you don't at least have that, the, the, the optics of it that look so bad. Um, and, and people always, like, tried to make the comparison of, well, remember when Baker Mayfield left his team at Texas Tech so, and went to Oklahoma? So stupid. So stupid. It, well, it, the stupid part about it is a lot of those people don't realize he was the Big 12 newcomer of the year. And Cliff Kingsbury at that time said, no, I want you to compete for the job. And basically Bob Stoops said, you know what, you can walk on here and we're going to give you an opportunity, which was his dream. And it's a little bit different, too, when you're talking about an 18, 19-year-old kid, right? Well, um, just, to, no, just, so, to, just to add to that, too, like I think there are a couple more things that people didn't realize when they were talking about this. They're just Baker Mayfield transferred in the Big 12. Well, first of all, he sat out a year. 
Second of all, he didn't get paid. Like he, like he was a, an amateur athlete, you know. And third of all, if you listen to Baker Mayfield's side of it and you believe it, Cliff Kingsbury didn't offer him a scholarship. So he's like, wants, he wants Baker to like pay his way. And, and, and Stoops is like, I'll give you a scholarship. Come on over to Oklahoma instead of having to compete. And apparently he shunned him after he, he, he sprained his MCL. So, uh, so some of that's a little bit misleading. All yeah, right. You're, all right. You're, you're buying into the editorial side of all that stuff too. Um, so some of that's a little bit misleading. I, I believe there was going to be a scholarship there mm. for him, but he ultimately wanted to go to Oklahoma. It was kind of a loophole where he could get around the fact that you'd have to sit around a year, but it didn't end up working out that way because of the release and everything else that played a part in all that. So a little, little bit of a gray area there, okay. Will, but, okay. but I'll, I'll let you go with your side of the story. No, I'm, I'm, just telling you what, I'm just telling you what Baker said recently. I mean, I'm not. No, I know what he said. I know the other side of that story, too, okay. and I've, I've heard a lot in between. So, Well, right, let me ask you this. Is Cliff Kingsbury going to go coach at Carolina? Um, I, I, I don't know that he's going there. I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to have an opportunity to go coach in the NFL. I, I think Cliff I Kingsbury too. is going to be the next Mark Helfrich to mm. whoever that next hot off- young offensive mind is. I think they'd be wise to bring him on. There's no one who's going to be well, more well-versed um, with everything that's going on in the NFL and college in regards to his scheme and all that. That guy worked tirelessly to come up with different ways of scheming things up. There's probably not a better eye for evaluating talent at the quarterback position. Mm. He brought in Baker Mayfield. He brought in Patrick Mahomes. He brought in Davis Webb. You tell me who's done a better job the past, you know, seven years of bringing quarterbacks than Cliff Kingsbury. If those are the three names I can give you, all three of which got drafted. So um, those are two big things, the feathers in his cap. I think you look at the success of the Chicago Bears, and I think as much as we attribute all of it to Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky and all that, Mark Helfrich, to me, is kind of the secret sauce that's in the mixture, too, where okay, he's that's... the guy that's bringing in a lot of the creativity to this. And I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be able to do that for someone else. Uh, and, and whatever organization is, is going to be coming in next uh, to, to be that guy that says, hey, we've got a young quarterback, we've got a, we've got a young head coach now as our offensive mind, we need someone else to bring in uh, another vantage point. Uh, no, I, I think the Matt Hel- uh, Mark Helfrich thing is a perfect Call. I was actually thinking that the other day. Of course, I didn't. I just thought it in my head, and then it drifted away. Otherwise, I'd sound smart like you did, Brady. Um, but the the Kings. So the rumor right now is, and this is a little bit off topic, but you're uh, for those who don't know, Brady calls college football for for Fox Sports. Did a great job. You, I had Bruce Feldman freezing his freezing his tail off down the sideline at the Apple Cup. Everybody's watching, uh, watching tweeting about West Virginia, Oklahoma. No, no, no. The real football was in the in the snow, buddy. Washington and and uh, Wazoo. That was actually an excellent game. You guys did a great job. But I want to add, the, you 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 cover the Big Twelve a lot with your you know with your with your work there. So I was curious about the Kingsbury stuff because the rumor is that Mac Brown, and like Mac Brown is going to be the next North Carolina head coach. Which I, I would I'm curious your thoughts on that. But the rumor is he's going to bring in Kingsbury as his OC. I don't see that happening because I don't see Kingsbury taking a job in late November before he knows what the landscape looks like. That's part of it. I mean, why would you want to pigeonhole yourself and right. put yourself in a position where, um, you know, could you have a better opportunity? Yeah, of course, especially with the NFL season. But, you know, you don't know that Mac Brown's going to wait either. You know, he might want to assemble this mm. staff sooner rather than later so they can continue to keep recruiting. Um, so that, that, that's, that's the tough part, I think, for Cliff Kingsbury, really any coach that's being – um, you know, recruited by a head coach at the college football level that may have aspirations or the opportunity to go to the NFL. So that's part of it. 
Um, but but in regards to Mac Brown, like the hire, interesting, right? And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of donors there uh, from what I've heard that you know they look at that was a place where really he kind of began before he went to Texas. He's going to be going to the, he's already in the Hall of Fame. Um, there's a lot of people who want to kind of bring back some of that glory that he was able to bring there initially and help building up that program. And, and look, their athletic director, Bubba Cunningham, former Notre Dame guy, um, you look across their coaches in various sports, whether it's basketball or going into like women's field hockey and, and what, soccer and all that or basketball and all that. I mean, they've got some older coaches, so he's not afraid, obviously, to hire coaches who are into their 60s. Uh, and still be, really rely on them to be able to have production. And it could be an interesting spot for Kingsbury. Maybe it's a spot where all of a sudden he g- goes with Mac Brown there, and it's with the intent when Mac Brown steps down that he would end up being the head coach. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I just think it's funny that, like, Mac Brown, nobody owns a head coaching waiting situation like Mac Brown, right? I mean, like, he did it for Muschamp in Texas and then didn't work out for Muschamp because Mac wouldn't leave. So I, I don't know. But, I, no, I think I think that is what people are – that is what Carolina fans around, and I live in Raleigh, so everybody who listens to the podcast knows that, but Carolina fans around here are selling the Kingsbury thing as it's, it's going to happen based on the coach and waiting thing. And it's not crazy. I mean, you don't want to take over the Carolina job and struggle for four years because the talent is, isn't there because Larry Fedora hadn't recruited well and then get canned after four years. Whereas if Mac is the guy, maybe he can set it up and, and build it from there. By the way, would you guess that, um, uh, Mac Brown is, 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 uh, is, uh, who's older, David Cutcliffe or Mac Brown? Ooh, it's a tough one. They got to be close, right? Yeah, they're very close. Um, I would say, I'd say Mac Brown. Uh, you're correct. Mac Brown, sixty-seven. David Cutcliffe, sixty-four. Surprisingly yeah. surprised, sixty-four. Yeah, I knew he was up there. Uh, okay, I've, I've I've derailed the living crap out of this podcast. We will re- very quickly run through the uh, NFC. Do you buy or sell the idea that Washington? Can uh, hold on to that playoff spot at six and five, and if they can't, who's knocking on the door? I believe you were uh, spot on in saying Carolina might be in trouble last week. Did you say that? I think you might. Yep, have said yep, may have said that. Yep. Um, I'm selling the idea that they're going to be able to hold on to the spot. Uh, a couple issues for the old Redskins for starters. You're playing Colt McCoy. Speaking, Not saying that Colt McCoy. Speaking can't of get Mac it done. Brown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This just comes full circle. Um, so you got a backup quarterback in there. That doesn't help. Your offensive line has been banged up, even though I think Trent Williams is back, although that could be like a week-to-week thing at this point in the season. Uh, Adrian Peterson hasn't rushed for 100 yards in, what, five games. Um, that's not boding well for them. And then you've got their schedule. So they've got what, two divisional opponents the next couple weeks. At, at Philly, that's going to be tough. Then they've got to take on the Giants. You know, playing better football now. Not sure really how you chalk that one up. Um, at Jaguars, at the Tennessee Titans, then Eagles again. So, look, they've got a shot because they've got the three – divisional games the problem is is i just i don't think they can win them at this point uh, with the way they look so uh, it's somewhat of an easy schedule when you really look at the way it's slated i mean they don't play a team with a winning record but again divisional opponents always difficult you've got three of those five on the road and then on top of it um, all the issues that i just explained with your team so i don't think they hold on to it i think they drop back i think it's gonna be the dallas cowboys um, who end up winning the division and end up being able to take control um, probably, probably of, of, of that. Well, they're in the four seed now, um, but they, they are going to be kind of having more of that momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah, and then for the wild card spot, the Cowboys. By the way, the Cowboys have the Saints, Eagles, Saints and Eagles at home at the Colts, and the Buccaneers and at the Giants um, to close out. So if, if they can avoid zero and three in their next three games. 
they should be fine because of the Redskins' health, and I agree with you. I think they're going to struggle. Uh, is I mean, Carolina might just be dead. I mean, I don't know if they're dead in the water, but they they have they're at Buccaneers, at Browns, and then they have Saints twice in the final three weeks of the season. If they don't win their next two games, they are toast completely, and they're both on the road. They've been terrible on the road this year. Cam Newton's played much worse. The whole team's played much worse. And, uh, you know, they, they, they should have beaten Seattle. No no ifs and buts about it. I mean, they just played bad defense on, 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 on big passing plays and, uh, and, and just could not convert in the red zone. Yeah, um, look, b- bottom line is I think when we look at the projections right now, like, like here's what I'll say just in, in general, there's four top teams in the NFL. It's the Chiefs, Patriots, Saints, and Rams. And those four teams are each holding the one and two seed in their respective conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we'd agree. Those are by far and away the four best teams. Yes, yes. We are okay. we're on the same page. So then, since we're talking about the NFC, uh, it's really talking about the rest of the seeds. Um, I already talked about the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Chicago Bears are a playoff team. I don't know if they're going to be the division winner or a wild card spot, but I think the Cowboys are in. I think the Bears are in. I think the other team that's in that's currently not necessarily slated in that spot is the Seattle Seahawks. They're another team that's kind of like on the outside looking in, but I think they're going to slide into that spot that's going to end up being vacated by the Washington Redskins. And I think because of the momentum that they built, especially after beating Carolina this past week, then they play the 49ers twice. Chiefs, that's going to be a tough one. Vikings, tough one. But they've got both those games at their house, and then they've got to go play the Cardinals. So in my opinion, they win probably three of those uh, five games. That gets you to nine and seven. If you could steal one versus the Vikings or Chiefs at your house, you know there's ten and six. So uh, to me, I think they're pretty safe. Um, not saying that they won't stumble because you know that, that wouldn't shock me based on how this year's gone. Right. But I, I I think that that's a team that is a playoff team too. And then it just comes down to who's that other team in the mix? Is it Green Bay if they can win five five in a row, or is it Minnesota who obviously? has the edge on them, or, or is it Philly? I mean, does, does Philly end up finding a way to come back into the picture? Uh, those are obviously the teams in the mix. I, I just think Carolina's schedule is uh, kind of brutal when you look at the way they finish with three divisional games, two of which are against the Saints, uh, and I don't think the Falcons are just going to lay down. And the Browns, you know, going up to Cleveland, that's not a gimme anymore. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. We're really, shoot, what am I saying, four divisional games. Uh, but then that game against the Browns, too. The, the problem for the Panthers is that they, if they want to sweep the Saints – they need the Saints to take Week 17 off because they clinched the first round by, or they clinched the, the number one overall seed. But when you look at the Rams schedule at Detroit, at Chicago, Philly, Arizona, and San Francisco, I don't think it is likely that that happens. Uh, the Saints have three and three three and three games in a row on the road. Um, you know, they're just not going to take their foot off the gas unless the Rams are. You know, at least a full game behind them heading into week 17. It, it could happen. We'll see. Uh, all, really quickly on the Packers. Sunday night was ugly. Is this, is this all Mike McCarthy or is Aaron Rodgers kind of broken right now? I don't know that he's broken. I mean, look, ask any quarterback. You know what the toughest thing to go up against is? When, when, a, when your opponent's getting pressure worth only rushing for mm. and they've got seven guys in coverage because what that allows them to do is, they can be one-on-one with all five eligible receivers, and then they can decide to double which two they want. So they can play two-man or cover five, as some call it, or cover seven, which is your bracket coverage. And so that's what makes it difficult is good luck trying to you know, find guys who can get open and all that. Now, granted, you can say, well, can't you like formation things or um, shift in motion and create some ways of getting guys open? Yeah, 
It doesn't seem to be what they do, though. And I don't know if that's a byproduct of just Mike McCarthy's system or if it's more of a product of Aaron Rodgers and what he feels comfortable with because that's what we've seen over the course of his time in Green Bay, um, that they like to isolate guys, let those guys try to win a one-on-one coverage, or give you know Aaron Rodgers the opportunity then to, to pick his matchup, which one he wants and throw him accurate football that only they can catch. So um, I don't think he's broken. I think they went up against uh, a, a buzzsaw of a team that is – the Minnesota Vikings in their house. Um, that was the perfect storm of playing against a really, really good defense that got the best of them and going up against an offense that, you know, jumped out to a lead and didn't look back. And Kirk Cousins heard all his people talking trash about him in prime time from their, their, his poor performance versus the Bears the Sunday night previously and said, I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to show everyone that I deserve to be paid $84 million that I was in my guaranteed contract this past offseason. Did you put your pinky finger up to your face when you said that? $84 million? I, I did a little bit. I did a <laughs> little bit. I've been watching some Austin Powers lately during the day just because it's on, on, uh, on, uh, on HBO. What does I gotta... that mean? Like you just randomly have it on and you're kind of waltzing around being like just saying those corny lines that they say? No, no, no. Like I can't handle – like during the day, what do you have on your TV? Do you just have SportsCenter running? Because I can't handle that. I can't I – gotta, I, gotta, I, I, have, have... I have CBS Sports HQ. You know what? So do I. Uh, everybody can't, I always get caught saying that. Uh, CBS Sports HQ, by the way, 24-7 streaming sports network, free for fans. You can watch Brady on there. You can also follow Brady on Twitter at, uh, 3RD underscore goal. And, uh, I, I got a follow back from Brady on Instagram. Very excited about that. I was trying to like and, uh, like your post about, uh, Giving Tuesday. So if you want to tell people about your foundation, by all means, go ahead. Oh, gosh. Just open floors, now how we're going to do this? Yeah, I mean, if you want to, you don't have to. I don't care. Just... No, yeah, I just, you know, it always kind of is a little bit weird when people kind of put you on the spot with all that kind of stuff. And well, I, I mean, I hate... you, do the, okay. you, you do the podcast every week. You have a philanthropic organization called Third Goal Foundation that gives back yeah. to people. So, so let me do this. Let me, let me just kind of explain what my foundation does. So we make homes handicap accessible for wounded vets, and we also put on educational platforms that kind of help them adjust back from serving. So it could be to start their education, finish their education, uh, and some of the courses is STEM-related, meaning it's helping them adapt back into civilian life. So those are really our two initiatives. And what we're doing is starting tomorrow, um, it's called Giving Tuesday, hashtag Giving Tuesday. That's on Twitter, um, Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, we, we want you to be a part of it, and we want you to try to donate. You can donate 5 bucks. You can donate you know, 500 bucks if you want. Uh, anything would be huge uh, for the foundation. Again, the, everything that we do goes directly to our vets as far as the projects that we do for our home remodels as well as um, the educational platforms that we put on. And we also actually have a scholarship, too, for uh, one, one very deserving veteran who's uh, currently going to the University of Notre Dame. So uh, we're very excited about that. And, uh, yeah, if you'd be more than willing to help out, donate all that good stuff, We'd be very appreciative of it. All right. So, look, go to 3RD and goal. Seriously, people um, – You can just go to 3NG.com. Three, so the easiest spot, yeah, 3NG.com. So, like, number 3NG.com. That's smart yep. of you to get that smart URL. So, hey, look, listeners to this podcast, you'd like having Brady on Tuesdays. It's fun. It's awesome. Give back to Brady. I'm going to go donate right now. So I'm serious, I'm going to donate right now, and and I encourage everyone who listens to go do that too. You can do it via PayPal. It looks like so it happens like that. It's not going to be hard. And then in the special instructions to the seller, right, pick six podcasts. So that way Brady knows that uh, that the, the people of the podcast care. Very and cool. Very who knows? Cool. Maybe we'll get some donations. That would be really cool. Um, okay, Brady, always fun to uh, to chat, man. 
I can't wait for next week, man. It's been so much fun. I love doing this show with you. I know it's late, but uh, we make it fun. And and thank you to the Texans and Titans for having a terrible game to let us get done with this before. What time, <laughs> we, what time did we finish last week? We finished at like one fifteen in the morning because it was of late. the freaking Chiefs-Rams game. But it's still exciting, uh, and we will do it again next week. Sounds good.